You're listening to Plain English Investing with Miles Dillon and Ash Martin. Thank you so much for, for tuning into the show today. I'm here with my mate Ash as well. He's the electrician on The Plumber. And um, we've got my friend Ken Costa here today, who's not a plumber or electrician or working with his hands or anything. He is a banker, an investment guy. I mean, I have known Ken for a while now, and I know a bunch of people who work in kind of city jobs, but I still don't really understand what bankers do. And I'm pretty sure most people who like hate on bankers don't really know what bankers do either. But like... Ken, to me, is someone who I know is smart about his money. He's like invested his money for a long time. He's made a lot of money. And me and Ash <laughs> don't make a lot of money. So we thought um, it would be nice to talk to someone who, who um, is around or networks with high net worth individuals a lot and just see if we can learn a little bit about what those kind of people that Ken deals with a lot do with their money that you can teach the sort of regular geezers on a building site about what to do with their money or their day rates. That's kind of it. I didn't, I didn't really know how to intro you, Ken, but there's so many things we can say about you. You are an author, speaker. That's good. Yeah, banker. So banker. You've done it, you've done it, you've done it well. I have to say this, uh, it's unusual for me, firstly, to be uh, uh, talking about investments of, of this kind. And by the way, I can't give you any recommendations, otherwise I'll get myself into such trouble. But it's really good to be able to to unpack some of the mystery of the stuff because uh, for you guys, um, uh, you're the electrician, the plumber and, the, and, and everyone else that is thinking about these things, doing the same kind of things that you're doing. It's a really, really important to start laying the foundations now, putting in good, just good building blocks. You might not always be able to, to fulfill it, you know, mortgages, children, schools, <laughs> etc. But it's good to begin to think through the principles of what do you do with your what do you do with your money, uh, and you know, and the ultimate question is: Is it going to make you happy or not? Well, yeah, great to be with you guys. Um, fire away. I'm I'm really interested to know just from what you just said of how you started in investing, and maybe how you would recommend others to start, and maybe a bit about your life story. Mm. Um, I'd be fascinated to know. Did you start? Did you start investing your money as soon as you started working in finance or did working in finance educate you That's about it. how to invest your money? So I think, I think what one has to start, you know, you're mostly self-employed. So it's a very different gig from working in a, in a company where you start contributing to a pension quite early on. So you start building up a pension pot in every month uh, and then the company contributes as well to it. So in that sense, I mean, starting in early, you know, just soon after we were married and the sort of kids coming, I mean, there wasn't very much spare cash um, <laughs> because yeah. by the time you sort of kitted out a house and, and uh, paid the mortgage, it, you know, there wasn't a lot left. But what we did try and do was actually to, to begin to work out um, how one could save so much that was, that was left over. Um, and, you know, there is a balance that you have to have between enjoying yourself, because if you work hard mm. and you've got some extra money and you've paid, you've paid the bills, then I think there is a bit that you want to sort of say, look, I need something for a holiday for, you know, to have some fun, um, because that's quite important. I mean, people forget that and think, oh, you know, 
I shouldn't do it. But that's, you know, that time of relaxation, you know, the season ticket at uh, um, your favorite football ground. Uh, uh, never mind, Miles, we won't <laughs> do that. Um, is, um, you know, those are important things. But it is good to be able to start putting away uh, some, just some amount of money every month. And it doesn't have to be a lot. But what, uh, what I would say is that um, we started a savings program. And I think, well, then, I mean, things are quite different now. But I think we, we started saving like 10 quid a month or something. It's probably about, I mean, this is 100 years ago. So it's, <laughs> it's probably 50 quid or whatever it is. And to put it into, uh, because here's, here's the issue. When you're beginning to, there are two pit bits of it. One is saving to provide for the rainy day. Yeah. To provide for when you get older. Um, and there's nothing like starting earlier. I mean, it really is. It's a habit that you need to get into. Then the question is, well, what do you do with that? And my view is that over, the, over a long period of time, this is equity investments. These are shares that you buy in companies, uh, whatever they might be, Zoom, Amazon on the one side, and then, you know, the food manufacturers on the other. It's just you put it into a fund that accumulates over the period of the next five or ten years, whatever you can afford. And that's, that's not making money. That's just saving it and trying to do it at the cheapest costs. Um, uh, that really matters, uh, and but just do it regularly. Uh, in, uh, that's the first thing I would I would put in place. Okay. And do you think to talk about? Like I know I, I only hear the things, but um, I know a long time ago you would some of the work you were doing was sort of brokering these these huge deals between sort of Saudi princes and someone else to sort of sell Harrods and. An airline or something like that when you when you're with those kind of people who are like ultra high net worth individuals you know when they give you their money to to, to invest into something or they're going to buy harrods to do something with the money one day do you get like an insight into their their view of what they're doing with their money is it like you know we would you know i would aim to buy a flat for my children one day and is it just that they're aiming to buy harrods for their children one day or is there something about the way that they invest their money, those kind of guys and girls, that you think that you've ever thought, ah, oh, I just don't think like this. These guys are on another level of like preserving their wealth and growing their wealth. That normal. Well, are, I mean, Mars, they are they're completely on another level. I mean, there's no point in even beginning to <laughs> compare it. However, there's one thing that is there's one thing that is amazing, is that people feel very insecure, however amount of money they have, they feel insecure about losing it. Uh, and um, with rare exceptions, I mean, the, you know, the punters who just sort of put it in, in a casino, with yeah. rare exceptions, um, most of these people that you deal with want to protect themselves from losing the money. Uh, and so there are natural things like real estate, which they're not making anymore, as they say, um, and you can see the sort of trends in marketplaces where people want, they want, they want a physical property that if, if the whole place goes to hell in a handbasket, 
I, you know, I've got a roof over my head or I can rent it out. Um, and it's a physical piece. It is a piece of Brighton. It's a piece of Hove. It's a piece of wherever. Um, so that they gravitate very strongly towards, um, towards that, uh, the, the real estate side. So, and, and I think that's a very, you know, as you get more money uh, yeah. over time, I think, firstly, your own home, um, which is it, it definitely, and now the government has made it so much easier. I mean, to have a 5% down, uh, deposit for a first-time buyer with interest rates being where they are at the moment. Mm. Um, it's a no-brainer. However, you really have to take into account that when interest rates go up, as they will go up, um, whether well, this year or next year, I don't know, but they will go up, whether you can make sure that you can pay the increase of the, of the interest without screwing the whole family's budget. I mean, that's, a, yeah. that's an important thing. And thereafter, you, of course, it's the flat, you know. Yeah. But would you think, we've talked about this before on one of the other podcasts that we've done. Would you think that for um, someone in, in our, the people, most of our listeners are kind of like um, probably in the middle income. When I say middle, yeah. in between sort of 25,000 to 75,000. I think 75,000 yeah. would be the top end probably. But, um, you know, if someone in that category is buying your own home, is that what you should aim for as your first investment before you start thinking about, putting stuff into a pension or into the stock market is or do you think you should be like splitting it out a tiny bit into the first thing you were talking about like putting savings away or do you think a house is the first thing you need to go for well it, it honestly depends on where you are if you're living in poland or in germany um most people rent their houses yeah okay. and, uh, but we have a culture of owning a house yeah. and we have a housing market that yes it does a bit of this mm. but by and large the real test is what is the replacement cost if I were to build this house now and the replacement costs continually going up, which mm. tells me that by and large, you, you want to start getting onto that ladder for your own family so that you've got something that you can do up. You can add value to it. You could put a basement in, you can change a, change a loft. So I think yes, buy a family home, you're first, but also buy it to your skill set or knowing that, you know, I can paint it up. I can do it up. We did it to our first, first half. My wife did the painting. <laughs> Not <laughs> me. I still, I still don't know how to do it, but, <laughs> but, um, but, but that adds value. So, you know, and, and I think constantly thinking of how can I add value by the skill that I've got or do a swap, you know, I'll do your electric, you can do my plumbing. Or, or, yeah. or something that works sort of mutually, working with each other. I, yeah. I think that I think that's a that's a good thing for your first home. I really do think that. Um, and I think thereafter, it's a, it's a question of you know where then do you start putting 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 money to to make some money. Okay, hmm. so we've kind of just touched there on interest rates and potentially even inflation and things like that. I'd be really interested to know what you're doing as a company right now in the current climate. Obviously, we've got a lot of quantitative easing, like money printing going on, hmm. and there's interest rates are at their lowest level they have been for so long. And um, inflation feels like it might be taking hold, although I haven't really seen anything of it yet. But it feels like it's on its way. 
what do you think as a company and what are you doing and what could you recommend to us? Is, is that so something? There's, defi- there's definitely been a switch. Uh, whereas people have, um, the, uh, the, uh, the lockdown stocks, Zoom, Netflix, mm-hmm. uh, Deliveroo, Ocado, all of those booming. There's been a move out of those into what we would call the more value-oriented stocks, the basic shares that are providing sort of consumer staples, Tesco's and Sainsbury's mm. uh, are, you know, sort of typical, you know, in the COVID is a complete mess now because we don't know, but airlines and, you know, people are changing into airlines and cruise lines and beat and, um, um, uh, you know, um, any kind of leisure activity, holidays, uh-huh. travel company. I mean, but that's, that's a punt, you know, that you might or might not get that right. But as it is, most people are wanting to rebalance away from what we call growth stocks, like Amazon, which was just growing like a train. Mm. Uh, and now it's come back a bit. And so people, be, that's because people have been switching into more basic staple diet, foods, supermarkets, industrial uh, businesses, making things. That ultimately, my own view on all this is that, uh, and and the green agenda that has changed dramatically. People don't want to invest in carbon-based businesses and decarbonisation, very important aspect of it. But in the long run, it's going to be disruptive technology uh, that continue. We are in a disruptive stage, the digital world. So, you know, the thing to do is to, yes, recognize that there is a temporary change of mood here. But if you're of your generation, you know, have a look, see what you what are you doing? What what, what is it that people are 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 changing their habits? Gaming, for example. I mean, I don't mean casinos, but I mean, gaming is huge. Um, You know, the number of gaming companies are growing all the time. And maybe you say to yourself, well, um, here, is, here is something I want to follow a trend mm. in the next five years. I can see myself spending more time um, gaming away or, you know, whatever you think it might be. So those, those are trends that, that are worth changing. Now, you asked about inflation. To protect oneself against inflation, I still think that, you know, housing, um, equi- hard assets, assets like equities, shares that you own, uh, houses that you would own, um, weird stuff like old cars, <laughs> you know, stamp collections and art. When inflation comes seriously, those things start moving, moving up. The one thing you don't want to do is leave your money in cash, unless you, you need it, or to leave it in, um, in what we call the bond market, uh, because um, that is... Um, that is not going to give you any returns. No. So a lot of people are wanting to put money into the housing markets or to commercial real estate to get a yield or to get a return on that. So there is that change going on at the moment. Hmm. Have you ever seen one of the charts which shows the amount of money that the US printed in the last year? Yeah, they oh. printed last year more than they've been printed in the last 200. 20% of dollars printed or in, in existence were printed last year. Now I look at that and think that just makes me feel worried about everything. It makes me think if the dollar 
goes bonkers and collapses or but do, do do you or you guys or people in your work do they worry about that kind of thing is that something that you like plan for or you try and position yourself for or is that something that's just always going to happen everyone's going to print money keep printing money forever and we just keep increasing well, the, the amount of money the, in the, the problem is uh, uh miles nobody knows we've never been there for such a huge expansion when in the great financial crisis 0809 Mm. The government intervened and printed money, mm. but you know George Osborne and and other governments started pulling things back, and so things got into shape. But it was nothing like what is being done now, uh, because now it's it's I mean really significant uh, sums of money. So two things would happen: one is if the dollar continues to weaken, uh, that's um, what governments want, because. If your dollar weakens, it means that the people who've lent you money uh, will be paid less because the, the, their dollar is not going to be the same as it was a year ago. So that's one of the reasons why they let the dollar go down. But at the same time, if as a result of all this money being pumped in, and don't forget on Friday, every American, every American will get $1,400 wow. uh, in, uh, in, in the post. What are they going to do with it? Uh, and that is going to sort of fuel a new, you know, buying new cars, buying new, you know, spending in Walmart, whatever it, it might be. And if that, if the economy starts overheating, then they have to put interest rates up. And that's, of course, how the dollar goes stronger, because mm. you get more interest on the dollar that you've got. So that's the bit that nobody knows. Um, and that's, of course, what causes the, the inflation in, in the system. Okay. So if you um doing investing in gold is is a good vibe. You said about like other hard assets, but do you find gold a hard asset or do you think owning gold is not really worth? Well, funny enough, I was discussing the very thing today. Oh really? Um, well, yes, because the gold price was just under two thousand. It's now dropped to seventeen hundred. Yeah. Uh, and um it's not supposed to be doing that because it's either telling you that the world is a safer place, because gold goes up when it's unsafe mm. um, or that uh, people have found an alternative to gold and one of the well you know one of the arguments is that um, Bitcoin cyber cyber uh, currencies uh, digital currencies um, <coughs> have taken over I mean Bitcoin today is w valued at a trillion dollars yeah. more than Apple uh, I think or roughly the same. Yeah. Um, and so people may say that that is a new store of value. So you, you have to be careful. I mean, Bitcoin is highly volatile. I mean, I wouldn't suggest you go and put your money into, into, into Bitcoin unless you're prepared to lose it all. And wow. gold is a little, you know, gold has no intrinsic value. Uh, I mean, it is, you can't do very much with it. Um, make jewelry, but not enough. No. So, it's it's probably not something that you want to do uh, as a sort of key part of your investment. Okay. Uh, at this stage, at a later stage, you know, I th I think a small proportion of what you've got, I would keep in gold for the long run. Okay. Are you as a company investing in Bitcoin, or are you yeah. looking at it as an? As are there something? any are there any sort of murmurings around your oh, company? Yeah. Look at the moment. We just yesterday were had. 200 of our clients listening to a presentation on Bitcoin. Really? Um, 
because there's a huge interest in it. Uh, and, you know, who knows uh, where it's going to go. I mean, it was very volatile. It, it could easily collapse. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. there are signs that it is a change in the whole marketplace as cryptocurrencies are growing. Uh, people are getting more confident. More institutions are investing in it. Elon Musk put a billion into it. It's at that stage where you just don't, you don't know okay. where, it's, where it's going to go. But it, it is looking as if it wants to create just a, a new currency like the dollar um, was created. You know, it's a currency, so, but it doesn't, you know, it's not stable. It's not a store of value. It's, you can't encash it immediately. I mean, there are technical problems as to why it isn't a currency, but something is happening that has got people to be buying it. I mean, 100 million people using Bitcoin today. For the record, we should probably say we are both like, we both hold Bitcoin and we're both like, you know, we're probably classic Gen Zs. Or are we Gen Zs? What I Gen don't know what we are. I don't know. I have no idea. I think I'm just a millennial. Yeah, millennials. I just make it. You're a definite. 82 yeah. is the cutoff date. Oh, yeah. No, I'm easily a millennial. Oh. Um, but... Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with you on Bitcoin, but I just can't, I still can't see where it's going. But I do find it interesting that now institutions are interested in it. It's quite a change that, you know. It's, it's a significant change. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if it, uh, well, if it collapsed to $20, but equally yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if it was 115, 120. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But it's a punt. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a, you, you really don't want to think that that's the way to be making money. No, no, no. And we wouldn't recommend anyone invest in Bitcoin unless they do a bit of research if they're listening. <laughs> Have your, make up your own mind on Bitcoin. It's extremely volatile, isn't it? But I would say to somebody, you've got to have something bit. even if it's a few satoshis you've got to have something i think yeah uh, yeah um, I, I have said that to my friends as well i'm yeah. like just buy a tiny bit of bitcoin just in yeah. case it's almost like a hedge against it going up really isn't it it's yeah. like you don't want to be that guy that thinks oh I I don't know. it's it's a fashionable thing and you ought to be careful of fashions <laughs> yeah. again, you know you need to ask yourself in our generation your generation uh what is going to be significantly changed from where you are now what is the most disruptive Piece. And, and of course, with some of so many of these others, you know, these uh, simpler apps where you can buy fractions of, um, of shares, uh, you, you know, you might be able to say, look, I, you know, I do think for the long run, um, you know, uh, whatever it might be, um, solar energy or mm. one of the new, new green technologies are going to be where things are and, and you buy a fraction of it in all these things what really matters as you begin to invest after i think the basic of the home is diversification if you spread it so that you when one goes up the other hopefully doesn't uh, they don't all go down at the same time which of course what happened in 0809 that was what the crisis the crisis was the things that shouldn't have worked everything you know gold sold off bond sold off equity sold off everything went down um and that was that was a real problem at the time so it's worth having a spread of of um of, of investments if for nothing else gives you something to talk about in the pub and one of the things that i think well i shouldn't be talking too much about it because 
who might think I'm encouraging you to, um, to, to buy it. But one of the things of remittances, you know, a lot of migrant workers, people living in one part of the country, the Philippines, Pakistan, places like working in different parts, is an abs. You know, when I say to you that some of the money transfers will mm. charge you 8% to transfer your dollars yeah. into, uh, into the local currency, well, it might not mean too much to you and me, but for them, it'll be a, you know, that, that 8%, be a you know sort of a month's wages yeah uh, but in the in in the bitcoin it's in it's an instant transaction yeah uh, which you can you know or in, i shouldn't say bitcoin i mean in a cyber currency as yeah. it emerges it's instant you know the moment you click it on your on your on your uh, leaves your wallet goes into your your mother's in the philippines within seconds yeah so, and it's fractions of the costs. So there are these uses for it, but we shouldn't dwell. We shouldn't no. dwell on that too much. No. I was. Um, I've got one question I want to ask you at the end about what we touched on to a bit about freedom and your money. But um, before that, do you want to ask a little bit about? Um, did you want to ask a question about getting ahead in your industry? And is it like a shady? Ash basically thinks you like when you think Ash is like, is it like Wolf of Wall Street? Where more, more of a fun question at the end. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen the film Wolf on Wall Street, Ken. Have you? Well, who hasn't? <laughs> but for all us like tradesmen, if anyone says like, oh yeah, I work in a bank, we all just think you're like Leonardo DiCaprio, just in you know, that's all we <laughs> with no no context for anything else, do we? No, I guess not. No, not. So. But like, I mean, you must have seen it all. But yeah. is is um. So for, I think in every industry, there's a shady section. So I don't think it's fair to say shady in banking. You know, even in my mm. plumbing work, I recently was offered 150 grand's worth turnover of, of gas work with an estate agent recently. And they said, you know, this is how much you get, you sign this contract and um, all you have to do is pay 10% 10, 10 commission for the, for the work. And I was like, all right, so 15 grand for 150 grand. I was like, sounds all right. I'll have to go back registered. I'll probably get someone to work for me. I was like, I guess it can go against my tax bill. And they're like, oh, no, no, it's not um, tax, it's cash. I was like, cash? I was like, where am I going to get 15 grand cash from? And they're like, I don't know, but if you want the work, you find it. Put it in an envelope, drop it off one day, 150 grand of work's yours. And I was like, oh, this is the shady area of plumbing work, where you want to build a large plumbing company, that's what you do. But have you heard anything like that in your sort of electrics? Oh, there's, there's so many things like that. Yeah, definitely if you get into that kind of thing but it kind of like disheartened me and i wanted to ask you like is if you become very successful like so if in my industry or in the, even in the property industry we know it's like shady there's like you can get the property below market value as long as you pay the agent again you know yeah but in every industry do, you know i kind of want you to encourage me because i sort of feel a bit like is it possible to really become very successful without being extremely shady or very ruthless can you be can you be successful and kind or is it, it's just, I find it very difficult to, to work those two things out. I mean, it's a very, I mean, it's a very good question because what you're doing is you're talking about the very base of human nature. So ruthless is not a word I like to use, mm. but competitive is one. Mm. Um, and I think that it's very important to be competitive because that's how spare, scarce resources are, is distributed in an economy. Um, by by being competitive, by driving prices down, people are able to 
to, to, to value what the resources are. Uh, and and that's, that's, a, that, that's, that's an important part of, 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 so being competitive, yes, is very important. Now, can you love someone and be competitive? And the answer is yes, you can. Um, if you take a broader view of, of, of the whole system in which you're operating. So if you don't believe in the profit motive, well, there's no point in your being part of, of, you know, you will constantly complain and you will constantly be disappointed if you work in a market economy. So you have to come to terms with the fact that there is, a, as, as best as we can find, a good way in which one incentivizes people to, to, to create value, um, to, to invest, to take risk and to be rewarded for that risk. Mm. But I think that there are small things that you can do that make a difference. So that, for example, you know, you, you, you'll be taught, you know, give the client just what the client wants, or maybe just a bit less, um, you know, as a sort of rule. Mm. However, if you take the view that you go the extra mile for the client and you give them more than they would have expected, mm. it actually is a very sensible business because they will come back to you because they mm. think you're straight and you're honest. Now, you may lose a transaction on the way, but over the, over the period of time that you want to be active, the reputation for serving more than you, than you would have extracted actually doesn't mean you're less competitive. It just means you're smart in the way in which you're dealing with your clients. So I think it is possible, but it's quite granular, uh, to, to, to evaluate how it is that you will be both competitive and considerate uh, in, in your day-to-day -day activity. Yeah. Do you want to follow up with that or do you want to do the, do the sovereign question, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, that's really interesting, Gem. I, I, I do always really struggle with it, like how to, you know, even, even some of the guys who work for us don't know how to be kind to them. They've done a bad job. Adam the plasterer. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's just so hard to pull know the, pull the window fitter pull the window fitter <laughs> never fitted a window in his life it turns out but told us he you can have to be realistic i mean the worst thing you can do is to cover it up because then the person neither learns or yeah. has wasted your time or your money uh or the the, the prejudice the job that you're doing so yeah you, you don't want to be quite clear about it and yeah. And that's not being ruthless. That's just being straight. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're good at that, actually, with people. I am I only know, Ash has taught me how, how to have confrontation on different levels. Because I only know, like, we're friends, we're friends, we work together, we work together. You're doing a bad job, so I'm going to shout at you and be quite aggressive. <laughs> you know, like, those two levels, don't I? But well, I think what, what, really what really helps on that is take the time, take the time, to be absolutely clear what the job is that you're asking the person to perform, the time scale within which you would want them, and the quality that you would expect, and the fact that you will inspect it, and make it absolutely clear before you start. Yeah. That mm. you say it three times. Sometimes you might have to, um, until the penny drops. And then when you'd follow that up, 
it's actually seen that you know you're being perfectly straight because exactly what you said you are doing rather yeah. than you know it's blowing your top at the end and saying well you know you're an idiot you should have seen that uh, you haven't painted it properly or you yeah or you whatever and he said well you didn't tell me to paint it yeah no, that's good can i just ask you this last question about about freedom and, and liberty yes. with um with money like um i know i told ash a bit about um I should have sent you the talk actually when Nelson Mandela died, came to the talk at HTB about his kind of involvement in the, in the apartheid marches then. So Ash knows a bit about that. And um, so I sort of um, see you as someone who has like a really high regard for freedom. Yes. Also someone who doesn't always love the rules all the time. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> about that. Funny enough, I've been in conversation with my wife on that very topic today. <laughs> no, but, Somebody of liking the idea of keeping to the rules. Yeah. Well, maybe more that you don't, you just like the freedom, like the, the rules, the law is like very restrictive sometimes if there's no freedom. And, um, you know, and everything you're involved in South Africa as well, like all just like speaks of someone who just wants freedom. And, yeah. you know, everybody thinks that money brings freedom. And we touched yeah. on this at the start. But, um, I've got, I mean, in the same vein as like the dollar printing so much and me sort of getting into more like libertarian ideas, um, I've started thinking more about, you know, libertarianism, freedom over safety, like choosing freedom a bit more than the safety of, and even with coronavirus, I think, you know, for me, I would prefer a bit more freedom and risk a little bit of my safety for the sake of a bit more freedom. I mean, it's probably just because it's getting to the end of lockdown now, but yeah. I guess my question is, to what extent does having more money bring freedom? Um, and sort of in our kind of context, our listeners context, I earn like an average wage as a plumber and I could live very happily for the rest of my life on that wage, you know, never be hungry, never be wanting anything really, go on holiday once, twice a year, you know, just have a normal life. But for some reason, there's a drive to achieve more and become more successful. But to what extent does more money bring freedom and does it get to a point where actually it doesn't bring any more freedom it actually brings do you have anything to add to that or? no i thought I can, you've, you've you've nailed it I, it's a big question mm. um, and a very good question it's the word freedom that i think and related to money that i think we need to be careful about i think what okay. money does do is that it does give you choices um and it uh, and then that's a difference from freedom um, because what, because to give you choices is to enable you to make choices, some of which are conducive of your freedom. Because if you can, if you can fly in an aeroplane rather than, you know, travel by car from one part to another, um, you've saved time. Um, you've, you've got a choice. You can, you know, it, it, it gives you a freedom mm. in that sense. It, it, it's very dangerous to think that money of itself can promote the freedom of um, of choice that you would that you would normally associate with living well um, and the freedom to be able to pursue your happiness, the happiness of your families, the people around you, the communities that you're in. If anything, it's a temptation the opposite way. Because it's the, the, the more money you get, it's extraordinary. 
the temptation is to become less generous. Mm. And when you become less generous, you become more selfish. You, become, you, be, you think more of yourself. Mm. And therefore, there is something that you have to consciously act against, which is why giving, uh, in terms of saving and investing and all the things that we talked about, is an important investment to give money to your charity that you look after, that, or the people that are, that are the marginalized or the, or the deprived, is actually an investment that you are making, not only in that person because you've now got clothes or something warm or something to eat, mm. but also in the ability to say, I am not the center of where everything happens to be, but I'm caring for other people. Now, there's an extraordinary freedom that comes from that because the freedom is, I am not the center of the whole world. It, it's, not, it's not me that matters. Um, and I think that's the piece that one has to constantly work on with money. Money very frequently will try and attack the root of one's freedom, which is to be able to be generous towards other people. That's very good, isn't it? Very good, yeah. We, yeah. I think yeah. that's a great place to end, Ken. Will you just... Yeah. Um, I think the book that you've written is probably most relevant for our listeners is probably God at Work. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Christian book, but I think like if you're not someone who has faith, I think you find it very interesting anyway. It's probably a lot of stuff about ethics in work, some of the stuff I was talking about. Just tell us where we can find out more about you and um, what you're doing. Well, and you can hit the website uh, on uh, kencosta.com. You okay. could go to Amazon and get any of the books. You could okay. check Insta. You could um, you on Twitter and Instagram, right? Yeah. And I, okay, cool. Yeah, Great, we'll not quite TikTok yet, but you know, maybe I'll. Neither I. Can't quite manage that. Okay, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. But Ken, thank you so much. Oh, thank no. you. Thank you, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. You have been listening to Plain English Investing, the straight-up investment podcast. Uncomplicated chat about how to manage your money, savings, and finances. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please rate and subscribe. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Its content does not constitute financial advice. You should seek help from a professional before making financial decisions. Thanks for listening.